Hi, happy Friday, if you're listening to this on Friday, which is when I'm recording it. I hope you've had a good week. My week was completely screwed up by my toddler who got sick and I had to spend my two work days at the beginning of the week looking after him, but I'm back and I'm catching up. And I'm here to talk today about what I wish I'd known about baby sleep, which is such a massive topic. And honestly, I could probably do like a eight hour series. I did a whole module um, a whole lesson in my online course about baby sleep, because it's such a big thing, not only in the way that it kind of defines your postpartum and early motherhood, but in the noise that's around it, it is just so noisy. I thought a lot about what I wanted to cover in this podcast because there is so much and there's probably a few things that come back to me that's the dog just deciding that now is the time he wants to drink his water so sorry if you can hear the clinking but for me it boils down to two things before I get into that I just want to tell you quickly about a couple of things that things that are going on in case you're interested one the the cook and cocoon postpartum preparation and fourth trimester cooking course is available still I have got 42 women currently doing it we've had two babies born already it's very exciting so I am um, in that course I not only will prepare you for what's coming in postpartum there's something like nine hours worth of video content Um, you will be taught how to cook postpartum appropriate food that you can freeze so you've got a freezer full of food because god knows that's the most helpful thing that's gonna happen not another bloody onesie and I'm there in the private group available to answer questions for you. So it's like having a virtual doula. So that's happening. The other thing that's happening, which is more like the the course is there for you if you're getting pregnant, you know, next year or whatever. It's there evergreen forever. But what isn't going to be there for very long is my um, cocoon cookie mix, which is my signature lactation cookie packet mix. It is a bestseller for a reason. It's bloody delicious. It's coconut, chopped chip and goji berry, and it's, um, a bake at home packet mix. So you just tip your packet mix into a bowl, add three eggs, half a cup of melted coconut oil, mix it all together, put it into, you know, form little cookies onto a baking tray, 12 to 15 minutes later, you've got the most chewy, dense, delicious lactation cookie you've ever tried. And I've tried them all as part of market research. A lot of them taste just like sweet cardboard. There's some really terrible lactation cookies out there. This one is the bomb.com. Like I have refined this through my clients, through my food delivery service, um, they are filled with nutrient dense ingredients. So we're talking oats, brewer's yeast, um, chia seeds, flax seeds, goji berries. Like this is drawn from what we know can help support milk supply as well as traditional ingredients like goji berries, um, which we know it's um, supportive of your postpartum period. Also, I added in the best chocolate chips that I could find. These are 70% dark chocolate, organic dark chocolate, Peruvian chocolate chips. They are amazing. I, I use them at home. I buy them in bulk and use them at home because they're just the best. Like you will not be able to go back to the ones from the supermarket after this. I'm really sorry. I'm going to ruin you for life. Anyway, so if you want to get yourself a packet or three, um, head on over to cocoonbynaomi.com, which is where 
they're being sold. I'm taking pre-orders until first week of the new year. Then that's closing. Then I'm sending them all out and you'll hopefully have them in your hot little hands um, before Australia Day. As long as Australia Post plays ball. I'm sorry, this is only open to Australian residents. I can't post overseas because the postage is so expensive. I sent one packet to a friend and it cost $40. So um, head on over and get your order in. I do only have limited stock because I only have limited bags. So don't wait until the last minute. If you're like me, I know I like to do that, but I can't guarantee there'll be any left. So now I've said that, I will let you know about my two things that I wish I'd known about baby sleep before I had my daughter. For a bit of context, I am someone or certainly pre-baby, and I still am someone who really likes a schedule, a routine. I like to have a plan. I really, that's the way I like to operate. And that's what works for me. So I remember being in America in my obstetrician's office because I spent a lot of my pregnancy over there. And there was the contented little baby sleep book, which had quite a strict sort of schedule and routine. And I thought, great, this is perfect. This is my bag of chips. I'm definitely down with this. Then I had a baby who was not (laughs) into routines or schedules she her temperament which you know if you've listened to the episode with dr howard chilton talking about temperament which is set from birth um her temperament was more on the higher needs less on the chill out i don't need a whole lot of attention my daughter wanted to be held all the time she she would sometimes like as a newborn she would do um, a big sleep in a, in her bassinet, but like I'm talking the very early days, once we got past like two weeks and she woke up, she did not want to be put down. She wanted to be held all the time. She wanted to be fed frequently. Um, she was waking up overnight a lot. I was, tr- I had her in a bassinet next to the bed. Um, and in that first week, I remember saying to my home visiting midwife, you know, I am not getting more than like 45 minutes sleep at a time. And she said to me, you should look into co-sleeping, go and look up Dr. James McKenna's work and check it all out. Um, here is how you do it safe, safely. Here are the principles around doing it. So she checked that my mattress was firm, but I was like, no way. Co-sleeping is dangerous. You can't, you know, I'm going to smother my baby. Even after I read the research, which in cheat sheet is he's an anthropologist who looks at how mothers sleep with babies and the and videotapes like shows how the brain waves are different when you're a breastfeeding mother sleeping with your baby how you form a cuddle curl which is protective and means you won't roll all of these things anyway even though I read that I was too freaked out for about a month I persisted I even bought another bassinet which kind of swung into the bed so they could be closer to you because I thought maybe she'd like that she didn't like that <laughs> it's a total waste of money and then one night Michael woke me up and he's like what are you doing and I was sitting bolt upright in bed rocking a baby but the baby was in the bassinet and so I looked down thinking I had a baby in my arms I went oh, where's the baby where's the baby panicking she was in the bassinet fast asleep I was like at the point of sleep deprivation where I was hallucinating. So that's when I knew something had to give. And I tried um, co-sleeping that night, bed sharing, bringing her into the bed with us, following all the kind of um, safe bed sharing principles. And overnight, it was a game changer. She slept so much better close to me. I thought that there was, I was doing something wrong. I thought that there was something wrong with her. I just felt everything was going wrong. 
So I think one of the, the big things that I wish that I'd known is what normal baby sleep is and normal baby behavior. The normal baby needs feeding, frequent feeding overnight. The normal baby prefers to sleep close to an adult caregiver, usually um, the birth, birth mother because she knows they know the smell. The normal infant needs help to fall asleep through feeding, motion, warmth and comfort. The normal baby cries when they're put down and left alone to alert an adult caregiver to pick them up again and keep them safe. The normal baby might have bouts of frequent waking when they're going through a sleep progression due to a phase of rapid physical, mental or emotional development. That is all normal. Now, the idea of normal, there's a spectrum, obviously. There are some babies who don't want a bed share. There are some babies who love to go to sleep by themselves in a cot. There are some babies who will just naturally self-settle. But these ideas, even the idea of self-settling, these all come from the sleep training industry, which was born out of um, this idea of sleep as a behavioral thing, not a developmental thing, which comes from a whole history that was born out of the Industrial Revolution, continued throughout the Victorian age and ended up in the 1950s with like quite strict baby care things, which is also where, you know, only feed the baby every four hours things come from, all these strict routines and schedules. We know now that that is not based on the evidence we have around a baby's neurodevelopment and what they actually require, which is connection and closeness. But these ideas, we still see them being played out. And that's why the baby space can be quite confusing because there's so much noise. But when you kind of look into the history, and I won't get into it here, but when you do look into that, it becomes really clear that this is not about anything evidence-based. This is just about white men <laughs> deciding what babies should do, should and shouldn't do based on this idea that babies are inherently um, bad and need changing and need to um, promote independence from the mother, which all boils down to capitalism because we need to get the mother back to work. That's your little potted history in 10 seconds. But I think if I'd understood earlier in pregnancy, what normal baby behavior was and that there was nothing wrong with that. And there was nothing wrong with my baby wanting to be close to me. And it was normal for her to want to do carrier naps and, you know, sleep, you know, not like the pram necessarily and not just be put down and go to sleep. And that that is usually the exception and not the rule. I think I would have saved myself a lot of angst. So I do love to promote what is actually um, normal for most like typical babies and just remembering that, you know, the baby spent the past nine to 10 months living and growing inside your body. They don't know what it means to be separate from you, their mother, if you're the mother listening to this. And it's about kind of adapting to the different environment. And while they're adapting, they need that closeness and reassurance. Also that all babies are different and they need different amounts of sleep. Some babies have higher sleep needs. Some babies have lower sleep needs. My first baby would definitely had lower sleep needs. One of the best things that I learned for like not so much the fourth trimester, but later on was if they wake up and they're happy, then they've had enough sleep or that, you know, they're, they're fine. I spent hours and hours and hours trying to resettle my daughter because I thought there was some magic number that I had to get her to sleep to. Um, she would definitely a cat napper. She'd only sleep 30 minutes at a time. And I would spend like an hour trying to resettle her. 
And then maybe she'd sleep for like another 10 minutes. Like it was the most ridiculous thing, but that's what I thought was the right thing to do. Which brings me to my second point of what I wish I'd known. I thought the right thing to do was what these so-called sleep experts, which are usually not sleep experts, um, were telling me. So I, when I look for baby sleep stuff now, I look for the people who are experts in um, the neurodevelopment of a baby, not someone who's been a nanny and not, not, no disrespect to nannies. Like your lived experience is important, but not the people who just have these ideas about babies. Um, based, you know, I, I look for the evidence and the science and the neuroscience behind it. Um, and sorry, I just thought I saw a snake out my window. I really hope it's not a snake. Uh, uh I think I wish I'd known that I'm actually the expert on my baby, not some person who's written a book because they nannied for three children and they have weird ideas that you should put a baby in a room at 7 p.m. and close the door and open it up at 7 a.m. the next morning, no matter how much they cry. That to me is absolutely wrong on many levels and breaks my heart. Um, Now, I totally get why people sleep train. I have a lot of compassion for people Um, and why they would do that. And sometimes they're so desperate and that's the last resort and I get it. And I totally get seeking help from sleep consultants. I'm not here to bag anyone out for that. I'm here to talk about what I wish I'd known and what I, I think is really important for everyone going into this to know. And that is that, you know, your baby best, you know, the way that they like to go to sleep. You might not know that in the first week because you're learning about them and they're teaching us all the time. So don't like worry if you're like, I actually don't feel like I know that yet, but you will, you will always know way more than the GP who has not had any experience um, with your baby's sleep or the maternal child health nurse who's spouting off wrong stuff that she had from her training in the seventies. You know what works for you. You know what works for your baby. That's not to say that you can't seek advice and you can't look for the alternatives and you can't look to nudge and tweak and make the changes. I don't think anyone should be a martyr. Um, and if it's impacting your mental health, you know, by like absolutely get support, but the right kind of support. Um, I don't believe that babies should be, um, small babies should be left to cry to teach them how to sleep. We know that you actually can't teach babies how to sleep. It's developmental, like walking. It's, we, we don't try and force our babies to walk. So neither should we try and force them to sleep. The whole thing is just a money making exercise. As far as I'm concerned, it's like deeply, deeply flawed, but it doesn't stop you from really wanting to get more sleep. Like sleep deprivation is hard. Um, one of the big things that I teach my clients, this is a bonus tip for you is what would you do if you knew that you can't change anything about your baby's sleep? So if we go, okay, it's out of my control. Like you might, absolutely, you might try some things. You might make naps shorter. You might look to wake windows. You might, you know, try wrapping them. You might try dark and root. You might try all those things. Cool. But let's leave that aside for a minute and go, okay, it's going to be a bit shit for the next little while. What can I do to make life a bit easier? What help can I ask for? Who can I call to come and hold the baby so I can get asleep? What meals can I get delivered? Is there someone who offered to make us a meal? Is there some batch cooking I can do on the weekend so that 
Um, we've got food in the fridge. Can I buy some, you know, fish fingers and convenience food and, you know, dinner ladies or whatever to get us through this to help. But I really want to press on you to lean on your community. People love being asked for help. I know you're going to, you might feel like a burden. I get it. I hate this, doing this myself, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And the more you realize that people are actually wanting to help you and I mean, who is not delighted to come and hold a delicious baby? Often babies just need to be held by um, someone else. Also think about going to sleep really, really early, like have the reverse sleep in, as I like to call it, going to bed at seven or eight o'clock at night, get your chunk of sleep then. Um, You really need to have a look at what you can do outside of controlling the baby's sleep, because if you try to control too hard and you're controlling and you're holding on and you're fussing and you're angsting and you're staying in dark rooms and you're padding and you're shushing and you're getting so frustrated and resentful, that is a really bad place to be in. I know because I've been there. With my second child, I let it go. I surrendered. I accepted it was going to be hard. He was actually a much better sleeper um but I tried my hardest not to angst about sleep at all and let me tell you I enjoyed the experience so much more that was a key part of it all right thank you so much for listening um the cookies are available for pre-sale until first week of January so jump on that cocoonbynaomi.com you can find me at cocoonbynaomi on instagram come and connect over with me there and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Stay tuned for the next one, maybe before the end of the year, although maybe not because I feel like life is a bit crazy now. So if I don't see you before then, have a beautiful Christmas end of year, whatever you're doing to celebrate. I hope it's a restful time. Remember your boundaries, everyone. Bye.